We know entrepreneurship is a gateway to wealth creation and community development. However, starting a business isn't always easy. Not having the relevant skills, knowledge, access to financing, and mentorship can all be barriers to success. Luckily, there are some amazing organizations creating change through innovative programming and financing. One of these organizations is called Business in the Streets or BITS. BITS is a Toronto-based not-for-profit organization that provides underserved youth with access to top-tier business training, peer mentorship, microfinancing, and ongoing business supports. Today, I have the pleasure of releasing a podcast recording with Kyle Monsack, the Executive Director. Kyle received his education in business and project management at George Brown College in Toronto, where he was awarded the Dean's Medal for Performance and Academic Standing. He joined BITS in 2015 and immediately fell in love with the organization's mission and purpose after seeing the impact it had on the community. Join me as I learn more about Kyle and business in the streets. Kyle, welcome to Micropulse Canada. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm looking forward to chatting with you and learning a bit about you as well as the organization you run. Um, so could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me, Tanya. I'm very excited to be having this conversation with you today. Um, so my name is Kyle Monjuk. I am the executive director at Business in the Streets, and I believe it's that organization and my work with BITS that brings us to be speaking today. Um, uh, sorry, the question was just a little bit about myself. I guess I grew up in a small city called Windsor, Ontario, small compared to Toronto, where I now live. I believe the population is somewhere around 230,000. Lived there most of my life. Uh, grew up there from uh, when I was born until I was about 20, 22 years old, uh, where I moved out west uh, for a couple of years, lived in Vancouver through the Olympics. Um, enjoying some of my my earlier years and just celebrating, um, followed by meeting what would be my eventual uh, wife, moving to uh, Toronto, finishing up my education in uh, business, where I was introduced to Mark Simpson, who is the founder of Business in the Streets. Um, and that's really where my journey with Bits began. Amazing. So um, I would love to learn a little bit more about uh, how your upbringing in Windsor um, tell me a bit about that. How was that like? Um, and given your experiences in Vancouver and Toronto, uh, what are the differences for you and what do you like and dislike about uh, uh, the, the different uh, places? Yeah, well, I, you know, I don't know what it would have been like to grow up anywhere else, but Windsor is, was a city for me uh, we, that I think gave me everything I needed as far as the building blocks. You know, like when you're that young, what do you care about? You know, you just want some really good friends which I had and still have to this day. Um, you want the sort of freedom to be able to run around safely and be able to explore, right? Uh, as a young kid, you're always looking to just get away as far as you can go, I think. Um, so had that, all of my, the bulk of, I should say, my family uh, lived in Windsor as well. So um, Windsor was really uh, the, the town and the city that shaped me the most. Um, but as one does, eventually you get, itchy and you got to, you know, break free of, I think, of a lot of the, those pieces that have shaped you to really kind of find yourself, I think. And that's what I think Vancouver was for me. Uh, I recall my friend actually sitting me down. I was working in hospitality at the time and he said, you know, uh, the Olympics are coming. I'm thinking about moving out there. Do you want to go? And this totally caught me off guard. I had never thought about leaving before. Uh, Windsor was anything and everything that I knew. Um, 
but the opportunity was too shiny. And so I said, let's do it. And we packed up the car. We drove across Canada, uh, across the United States and then through into Canada, um, where we live for, for two and a half years. And I love Vancouver. It is a beautiful, beautiful city to live. I'm not sure if you've ever been, but, um, between the mountains and the ocean, uh, there's a lot to be, uh, you know, appreciative for. And uh, you really wake up. I remember waking up and being able to just kind of open my blinds and take that in. And uh, I, I you know, really appreciated those years. But eventually, you know, you start to look towards the future and what else do you have and what are you investing in? And that was when I realized, you know, it, it, I really, I have a younger brother and a younger sister and uh, I was starting to get a little bit homesick. So as much as I didn't want to go right back into uh, to, to Windsor, I wanted to be somewhere where I was more accessible to them and they were more accessible to me. And so uh, Toronto seemed like the closest metropolitan option. I uh, had been many times before for mostly for concerts and just for partying, but uh, coming back to Toronto um, was, uh, it was, it was new for me to actually find my home, like living in the city. I've been here for 10 years now, just about, and uh, not sure if there's anywhere else I'd rather live. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, no, I, I've lived in Vancouver. It was actually the first place I lived when I when I moved to Canada. And like, I was like, wow, Canada is like the most beautiful place on the planet. And, uh, checking out the mountains. Uh, yeah. I mean, of course, it rains a lot, but it's worth it for all that beauty. So I definitely yeah. share your, your love for Vancouver. And then Toronto, just the fast paced of it all and all the opportunities. It's, it's, yeah. it's amazing. So I love that as well. Um, so I'd like to ask you about uh, your inspirations. Um, where do you draw your strength from? Do you have any mentors? Do you any, have any fa- any favorite books, uh, philosophy, uh, things things that you follow uh, to to keep you motivated? Yeah, um, I mentioned you know my my folks. I think my folks are are definitely uh, a source of inspiration in a way that sometimes isn't so explicit, right? Uh, your folks are those people who, you know, they raised you. You are in some ways them, whether you like it or not at times. And my parents were very different people. Um, my dad, uh, I was thinking um, recently about, I had a paper route growing up. And my dad used to wake up, uh, wake me up every single morning, put me in the car. We would drive down, pick up the papers, and we would deliver that route. We did that for a couple of years. Um, and then of course I would go to school, he would go to work. Um, my dad was just in still is to this day, the guy who would give you the shirt off his back. So, uh, that part of my dad, I hope lives to some extent in me, um, and, and has me want to be really connected to other people. And, uh, he's, you know, an extrovert uh, in the fullest extent, always wanting to be around others. And I think that's his character. My mom, by contrast, is someone who grew up with many siblings. Um, and it was, you know, because of that big family, it was really important for her to, to kind of define boundaries and make sure that, you know, she knows what she wants and that she's going after uh, to get it. And so I've always really admired that about the sort of the differences, but watching how they impact on others and also how they impact themselves, uh, that I think was a really great lesson. So, you know, my folks are a huge inspiration for me. Um, I'm also really thankful. You mentioned some like heroes, you know, through business in the streets, I'd say, I kind of mentioned discussing some of my more partying years. I eventually, like I said, moved to Toronto. Uh, and it was through my education at George Brown College that not only did I meet the founder of Business in the Streets, but after joining the organization, I would meet some of the other leaders, um, 
part of this organization. So um, the founder, Mark Simpson, uh, one, as an educator while I was in school, he was somebody who I think really, he was one of the first people who I met who was deeply passionate about his job. And not only was deeply passionate about it, but was extremely good at it. Uh, to the extent where, you know, I'm having been through post-secondary, I think it's quite easy for some instructors to really treat it as a job. Um, mm -hmm. And over the years, you know, get really good at it and deliver it the same way. Mark was so dynamic in how he uh, interacted with students, how he really helped them to see what was possible um, through just dialogue and open questions and really challenging people. It's really more of like an art and a science in that sense, right? And I feel like he was a real artist in that way. Um, but since then, you know, we've had other leaders over the years, including uh, our, our our chairs of uh, Pat McNamara, who was an entrepreneur, uh, founder and a major supporter of BITS, uh, Sarah Hashim, who was our chair for many years and like a real confidant for me as I was stepping into an executive director role. Uh, and then most recently, Leslie Cowan. So all of these people have been, have really shaped, I think, my leadership and what it means to be a leader and how to navigate really challenging situations like in the moment. So and I don't know how many people have um, sort of a, a team behind them in that way. Um, and so I, you know, I really draw on the sort of the, the lessons I feel like these four, uh, have, have instilled on me. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, yeah, I could definitely resonate with the dynamic that your parents had, um, introvert versus, uh, more extroverted. Um, and also, uh, just, uh, it's important for young people to, uh, I, be identified and identified mentors early on and have those people investing. So um, I'm super happy to hear about that. Uh, one thing that I want to talk about uh, in this podcast is the importance of mental health. We know that one in five uh, people in Canada will experience a mental health problem or illness and young people are especially affected, affected due to various factors. Could you tell me how you take care of yourself and your organization and stay grounded, especially as a leader and uh, serving your community? Yeah, great question. Uh, one that I'm still more of a student at, I think, at times than anything closer to a master. Um, I'm going to uh, plug, there's a YouTube channel called CPG Gray. I think it's CPG, CPG Gray. Is it, and the reason I, I mentioned this video specifically is it talks about mental health um, through the, really through the lens of kind of biology, in, given this pandemic that you know, we're currently in as, as you and I are talking. Um, and one of the things that's really interesting is he compares mental health to, and, and given the context, to almost just floating around in space in a vessel. And it's our mission. And one mission we have is to, when we return to space to be in one piece. Um, and to not just slowly sort of melt away because as we stay in, you know, this 10 by 10 room that so many of us are in, you know, most of our, our days right now, um, he really breaks down sort of the key pieces, right? Which is managing um your your physical well-being and he says actually it's important to start with that because it creates you know your body is the vessel that you're working with right and i think a lot of people often want to go with their mind first and then work on their body second it's much easier to flip that around in fact you know i won't list all the pieces there's four main pieces they discuss that you really need to organize right and then set up your space as a result so i found inspiration in that um a couple months ago and tried to organize my space in that way so i'm fortunate that i you know living in toronto i have enough you know, space that I'm working with where I can have a organized area for my work. I have an organized area for exercise. I have an organized area for kind of relaxation um, and then sleep. 
those are kind of the four that he speaks to and wanting to really make sure that you have these spaces defined and set up. So most recently, that has been really crucial for me. You know, before the pandemic, gyms were open, much easier to go. My gym has since closed permanently. Um, so finding a way to exercise is something that I've always found is really important because as much as um, your mental health is something you want to manage, your situation is always changing. You know, it, it's, I think the one thing that is important to remember is it's constant maintenance, right? Uh, and now that I am 30, 35 and I have enough years under my belt of falling off the horse and getting back on, I think that is the most like important lesson that I've had to remind myself of is that just cause, you know, just cause you fall into some sort of a slump, um, a couple of weeks go by, or you're not doing the same things that you wanted to really commit yourself to that. It's just as important of how quick you get back on, um, because then you can start the process again and, uh, you know, really pick up where you left off. So, uh, some of those practices are exercise. A lot of it is really allowing myself to unwind and making sure that that laptop closes and it closes firmly um, come the weekend. Um, and just making sure that you do take time for the things you enjoy. Oh, for sure. That's beautiful. Uh, thanks for sharing. Yeah, exercise. A, a lot of people talk about how it's important in terms of um, obviously keeping you fit and keeping the vessel around for a long time, but also um, just that emotional regulation from uh, the, uh, the different uh, hormones that are yeah. produced when you exercise. So yeah. thanks for sharing. And also, I think uh, we don't talk about joy enough, especially given the pandemic. You know, a lot of people have been stuck at home and, you know, you've just been happy being serious and keeping that seriousness. But I think uh, that looking for that joy is a really important part. So thanks for sharing that as well. Um so entrepreneurship and business ownership is an instrumental way in which young people can develop wealth for, the, for themselves and their communities. Can you tell me about um, business in the streets? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm going to take a quick moment just to explain why I think business in the streets matters to me. Mm -hmm. And this has been a good thought experiment for myself to understand why I was so drawn to an organization that I really otherwise had nothing to do with. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, in a lot of my upbringing and trying to explore what I wanted for my life, it, there wasn't, <laughs> I went to college when I was young for the first time for advertising. Um, didn't like it, swapped out. Eventually, when I came, I was in Windsor, eventually went to Toronto uh, for college and went to um, George Brown there for human resources, where I switched to project management, always dancing around trying to figure out like, what is it that I want to do? And that question of want, I think was really, challenging. You know, there were so many things built into that question. Uh, what am I good at? What do people want from me? Um, what, what's going to pay the bills? And it was a really loaded question I found impossible to answer. And why I connect that with Bits is because I remember the first time when I just started with Bits, I hadn't, you know, many people had engaged with the organization before finding employment there. I had just kind of come in. I was invited to, 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 uh, into the staff position. Talk more about that. But, um, when I got there, I stepped into this room and you're surrounded by young people, uh, who this is on like a Tuesday night. This is a volunteer program in like the attic of a community center. And people like the energy was something like I had not seen, not in something that was considered like an educational setting. It was, it was wild. Um, people were buzzing. There was so much conversation. There was the mentors and the mentees that were uh, trying to really passionately discuss some one one person's idea, right? It's not like two people were there sharing both and going back and forth where you're just waiting for your opportunity to speak. 
one person was excited to help somebody else and the other person was excited to receive. I just not seen it before. So why entrepreneurship, why business in the streets is because I don't know where else that exists. Um, I have not come across it. And I think more than anything, what the organization is doing and why entrepreneurship is because people are looking for permission to really explore things that matter to them. And it's so hard to do on your own because no one's there to hold the mirror. And most people are giving you platitudes. They're saying, oh, that's so great. Bravo. Or don't do that. Go get a job. This is terrifying. And I think what Business in the Streets does is created a space for people to really authentically explore what interests them um, in a way that excites them. Because if it works and if they can find clientele and they can get a business running, then they get to spend some of the best years and the best hours of their lives doing something they really care about. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for that. Uh, could you tell me a bit more about uh, how long the organization has been operational, the different programs you run, and um, the current impact it's had so far? Yeah. So the organization uh, was, um, was incubated at George Brown College around 2011. It became its own registered charity in 2012. Um, so coming up on 10 years since that incorporation next year. So, uh, you'll have to come to the party, first of all. Yes. <laughs> um, that, that's, that's one, but it, so the programs that we offer, the key offerings that we have are two, we have two training programs that incorporate mentorship into them. Uh, the first is called YCEO, stands for Youth Creating Entrepreneurial Opportunities. And the second program is our BITS Bootcamp. And both programs are built on the same pillars, um, which is, uh, uh, accessible learning um, and making sure that everybody's uh, all the barriers that an entrepreneur faces are able to be tackled while in these eight week programs. So that means we're providing the education, and the training, but we're also providing mentorship. Uh, there are funding opportunities available, and then there's a community that's there to support them. Um, and so the way that these programs operate is over the course of eight weeks, we have an instructor who's going to be teaching a series of, um, of business concepts. Uh, while that instructor is teaching, the uh, participant who's the entrepreneur is working with their mentor to help apply those concepts to their business idea in real time so that they're actually not just learning theoretically, but they're seeing the concepts at play and they're understanding how they help their business uh, and themselves. Uh, and then at the end of the program, um, the entrepreneur pitches their, their business almost like very Dragon's Den style, um, uh, just for the chance to receive some feedback, network, et cetera. Um, and as a result, become a BITS alumni where they can then unlock other opportunities. And that's where, we'll, where we will provide funding opportunities, uh, exclusive events and programs and things like that to keep uh, the kind of the spirit alive and make sure that they're supported along the rest of their journey. Amazing. So, so amazing. Yeah, I've been a mentor as well as a uh, judge yeah. uh, for two, for two um, BITS uh, pre presentation events. And it's such a great experience. I've I too have not experienced the same. And I only joined online too. I haven't actually been in one of the rooms, but even online, just the dedication, the passion, um, and the hard work that you and your um, uh, colleagues put in is, is definitely worth no noting and sharing as well. So thank you for all the work you do. Um, so I just want to ask, I know you focus specifically on underserved youth um, uh, and, and the uh, youth from diverse backgrounds. Could you tell me the key hurdles uh, these uh, young entrepreneurs face and the, the, the key need that um, BITS is, is, is filling? Because there are a lot of programs out there um, and there's a lot of free-floating funding out there. Uh, so how, how is BITS the plug to all of this? Yeah, 
It's a, it's a really great question. And there are, you know, when we first launched, I think we were one of the only kids on the block, so to speak, right? And more people are, are, are coming up with their own solutions now. And it's great because to your question, um, Bits serves perhaps one of the most um, broadly defined uh, groups. I mean, you want to talk about young people who face barriers um, that can be widely interpreted. Uh, specifically at Bits, we're working with people who are 18 to 34 and earn under $35,000 a year in personal income. Um, you know, the reason for that is when you look at who a successful entrepreneur is, uh, there are some statistics on this, none that I have at the ready, uh, but the average age, I believe is something around, uh, around 43. Uh, it's usually not their first attempt at entrepreneurship. Uh, they've developed a net. You can imagine by the time you're 43, you've developed a network, you've developed a set of skills. You've been living in the same city. You just, you understand the systems and processes that you're looking to put together. So just by sheer virtue of age and inexperience, that's the first barrier that most people that we're working with are facing. The second are the resources. Um, if you don't have the skills, there can be shortcuts. There can be things you can do to outsource, but without the resources, you have to do everything yourself. A lot of the young people we're working with are balancing other responsibilities, be it school, uh, children. Sometimes uh, we're working with a lot of uh, single parents. Um, and, or other, uh, sorry, they're caregivers for other people in their lives. Um, in addition, a lot of the young people we're working with uh, don't have post-secondary education. Uh, if they do, they're not working in their field. Um, and they're coming from a whole variety of backgrounds that haven't provided them with either, say, the role models or the networks to really thrive in entrepreneurship. And so that's why at BITS, we're, we really see ourselves as a whole ecosystem of supports because it's so varied in what one individual may be experiencing and the barrier they may be experiencing at that time may change. And they may, it might be, you know, just the content, the, the education in the beginning, it later becomes really the financial resources that are a hindrance along their growth. So to that end, uh, I think where BITS tries to differentiate itself, but also you know, what is so important to how we operate is to make sure that we're really looking at all of those barriers and are organizing ourselves in a way, organizing our programming in a way that it's as adaptable, but also linear as possible, which is really challenging to do. But it's, it's the, I always like to call it, it's kind of like the Rubik's Cube. It is the challenge we've chosen to take because having seen the impact, which I think is a part of your question as well, uh, which is a young person who truly believes in themselves. And, you know, a lot of, I think, organizations cite confidence, um, but you've been there on pitch day. Mm -hmm. And I think you've seen what confidence actually looks like. And what matters to, I think, me and to the organization, to the community, is what's authentic about that is that the confidence is placed in something that they can really see that they've created for themselves. Uh, not by virtue of our support, like we provided the sort of uh, arena for all of this to take place in, but ultimately it was their passion and drive and resilience and curiosity that produced those results. Um, and that's where that confidence comes from. Um, and that, you know, parlays itself into entrepreneurial success, but we've also seen people uh, find other sort of traditional forms of employment that are entirely unrelated to their uh, educational um, pathway. And those stories are, you know, are, are just as fascinating and just as impressive. Amazing. Yeah, no, I've definitely uh, seen seen it firsthand, even as a mentor, uh, working with three uh, incredible entrepreneurs and just seeing the growth in confidence starting off from, I have this idea, but I don't know how to get to 
to to Zed. How do I do that? And I think just that that step by step, that those micro steps that lead up to the business or you know starting out the business or what's what's missing because like within the ecosystem there is funding there is there are all these larger entities but without those small atomic steps it's very difficult especially from people from underserved uh, backgrounds also age like you talked about um, so thank you so much for that and so um i guess i i would like to ask um you talked a bit about passion, curiosity, initiative, and all of those things. But I'm just curious, are there any other factors that you've seen um, that play a part in the people that are very successful with, uh, in your program? Or when they've graduated your program? You know, this is a, one of the biggest challenges in this sector is sort of like, not to get too scientific, but like longitudinal data, right? Being able to maintain a relationship with somebody long enough to really see it come to fruition. Uh, the cool thing about entrepreneurship is, is when it's working, it's quite public. So we do get mm -hmm. to see that, right? Um, we, at the very least, will be working with somebody for eight weeks. Um, it's always clear in that time who is encounters challenges and you know, no matter the size of them are, it's, it's always, I'm going through, I'm going around, I'm going over. There's a, a certain attitude about uh, nothing is going to get in my way. And, you know, I think that, you know, is that innate or can that be developed? Is that maybe just in relationship to the single business that somebody's working on? You know, that's to be, to be discussed. I've, I, I've seen a lot of people um, that may be underestimated, um, really shine. And sometimes that just takes a little bit longer um, and perhaps a little bit more support for that, that kind of passion, that, that determination to incubate. Um, outside of that, one of the things I think that really help people is, is an ability to ask for what you need. Hmm. Knowing you can't do it all. Um, the question becomes, I think a lot of people realize they can't do it at all. And then as a, the, the conclusion is, well, I can't do it because I, I just can't do it all. There's too much I need to be responsible for. I think by contrast, others very quickly realize that um, all I need to do is ask. And, and that's one of my favorite parts about Toronto. It's one of my favorite parts about Tanya getting to work with people like you is that your evidence for the fact that people want to help. All we want to do is make sure that we're helping in a way that is meaningful to us, that we're actually going to make a difference and that you know you, you take it seriously. And that's one of the, I think, biggest and most hidden lessons that we try to teach within the program is there are all these people here, like they're available. All you need to do is ask. And I think where people really get connected and passionate and, and then remain consistent with their ideas when they start to realize that that's not just true within the confines of the program, but it's true uh, even outside. And um, I think that really helps to you know, keep the fire lit. Um, so it helps people you know, stop feeling isolated and it helps them feel more capable etc. That's very, very true. No wise words. Uh, stay connected, ask for what you want. Um, and yeah, realize the, the genius within yourself and, and your program really helps entrepreneurs do all of that. So thank you for that. Um, so just, uh, just to step back a little bit, I'm curious, uh, what setbacks and challenges, if any, has your, have you faced building business in the streets? So I'm talking about COVID-19, I'm talking about funding, I'm talking about uh, various other factors. So very, you know, selfishly here, if there's any other community leaders 
listening to this at some point. You know, there's, uh, I went from working in hospitality to joining business industries. I was, uh, I, as in joining the organization, doubled its staff size, right? <laughs> we went from one to two. Um, <laughs> now we are at, we are at three, we're growing to four. Like it's been a very, in, uh, a very small team. Now we're online. So we're not even, you know, in person with each other. Um, and although I've had a board of directors who I kind of cited earlier, some amazing uh, chairs and co-chairs and people who have been there to help provide guidance. I am a huge proponent of modeling. Um, I think is it it's Daniel Pink in his book Drive, I think talks about he went to go be uh, a lawyer. He went through almost all of his education before he ever realized like what lawyers actually do on a day to day. And when he went and experienced that, realized like, I don't want to do this and quit entirely dropped out. Um, I think modeling tells you so much about how to do something. It tells you about how not to do something. It tells you about those, you kind of mentioned earlier, like those micro moments, like those very specific, you know, when something's challenging, when something's challenging, you're in a bad mood, when something's challenging, you're in a good mood and vice versa, right? Um, the hardest part for me has been being in this role without having other people to sort of model off of. Um, and so you have to almost like our, you know, conversation we were just having, you have to be able to ask for what you need. And so I've been able to find a really great community to join more recently. Uh, I'll plug actually uh, Michael Prosserman's group, Epic. Mike was, Mikey was the, uh, the founder of Unity Charity. Oh, Mikey. Created, yeah, if you know Mikey. Um, I've met him once or twice. Okay, <laughs> nice guy. Yeah. Really nice guy. Really committed um, after his career, to now, his first career, to really helping the, you know, the sector uh, to improve overall and make sure that uh, people in leadership positions have access to the resources they need. So he's making an awesome difference there. And, and uh, I think it's really necessary. But um, to go back to your question, which was, sorry. Sure. Um, uh, what uh, setbacks and challenges, if any, have you faced in building business in the streets? Um, so economic, uh, social, ETC. Yeah, so to go back to your question, uh, you know, uh, it, there's been that side of it, which has just been my own personal experience, what I've needed to learn. But then, I mean, there's the rest of the organization, which, you know, there's a lot of challenges within the sector. You mentioned fund, funding, fundraising. That's always something that is a, you know, it's a skill you need to learn. Um, and it's, uh, it's a muscle you need to build. So that uh, we've been very fortunate for the most part over the years to have some really, really incredible partners. Um, if I started to name them, I'd probably forget some. So I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to do that, but um, uh, if it weren't for our partners who believe in our work, who come out to see the work happen, to support it um, by by not only um, giving the, like by providing funds, but by showing up and and mentoring you know youth in our programs and all the rest of it, right? They get really involved, and I think um, that has been fortunately for us not one of the bigger challenges. COVID-19, you know, also, um, we've been very fortunate. Uh, some organizations have a lot of equipment that they needed to figure out how do we get this to the communities we're looking to work with or what do we do with this real estate? Uh, September, 2020, we left uh, the, the physical space the, that we were renting and jumped fully into uh, online. And there's good reasons for that. One, obviously carrying, those carrying costs can be quite expensive, but more importantly, we saw the impact um, being made at the same capacity, people were feeling they were reporting the same. We could see their education, you know, the transition in um, 
sorry, the, the, the transfer of knowledge can seem to be consistent. The reporting and their skills development seem to be consistent. It was more accessible, which is a really important value at BITS is to make sure that attending our program, you know, people used to drive, I kid you not, like two and a half hours on a Saturday to get to a BITS program. Um, that's a huge barrier because if you have other responsibilities that eats into your time. So, uh, which is, you know, one of the most limited resources that so many people we're working with have. So being able to attend from your home, be it from a cell phone or a laptop, whatever you've got, uh, I think has really opened things up. And so we leaned into that right now. We're actually working on entirely reformatting our programs for a digital first experience, which is wildly exciting. It's the first time we're really looking at the full scope of our impact and, and asking ourselves, how can technology help us to, uh, to better, um, to better organize, uh, to create customized pathways and things like that. So, um, COVID-19 in some ways, you know, at this point, we'll see it's been a bit of a, a I don't say a blessing, but we've been able to, to manage it well and uh, we're confident with the direction we're heading in. That's that's amazing. Yeah, I think there are those pros and cons in terms of in-person, you get that connectivity, that uh, um, that one-on-oneness, that uh, energy in the room. But at the same time, can you reach more people when you're online? Um, can you save people time and other other things like we can focus on your families and other things like that? So going digital is also a plus. Um, so and you're saying you're now focusing on a digital digital only experience, right? So I should I should clarify the the core of the core programs of what we offer will be online. Uh, those eight week programs. What we okay. see, uh, what we're we're currently you know playing around with, and I sh- I should comment like. Bits approach is we like to be very entrepreneurial in how we do things. It's a lot of iteration, mm-hmm. a lot of trial and error, a lot of speaking with our users, our customers, our clients, our mentors, and hearing like what is working and how can we take that to to build new things or to amend what we're doing. So uh, the core programs we see is living online. It's more accessible for our mentors. It's more accessible for youth. But to your point, there is a an perhaps indescribable. Uh, but something we're all familiar with, that energy of when you're meeting in person. Um, and that's something that we see as a, a, a value proposition, as a resource, something that we need to embed in some fashion. So whether it's, um, you know, we're asking how does geography eventually affect our online experience? Do I care to meet up with people in my city? Do, do, does that matter more to me than, say, meeting up with people across the country but are in my industry? So, um we believe that there's going to be an opportunity in sort of the key areas where Bits is operating to be able to bring people together. Still, uh, we're getting as you know, it's telling saying that we're speaking with our community. That is one of the things we're hearing a lot constantly, which is like, yeah, especially for somebody like yourself who's never seen in person before, and I'm sure can, it's all his imagination about what that would be like. Um, I know because we've done it, and it is magical and it is awesome, and we want to get get back to that as well. It's just not going to be a part of our core programs. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be more like workshops and uh, one-off events and things. Yeah, that sounds, sounds amazing. Like what I'm visualizing is people attending programs online and mentors mentoring online, but there being um, small community groups all over the country where people can meet up, connect and all of that. Uh, yeah, that sounds like, uh, that sounds amazing. So good luck with that. <laughs> Looking forward Thank to so seeing that grow and obviously uh, staying involved. Uh, and so I guess I have, you know, a few more questions. Um, What's what's your long term vision uh, for Bits and um, how how you see it impacting young entrepreneurs and how can you be better supported 
um, for anyone who's listening. Mm. Appreciate that question. Yeah. Um, we're asking ourselves, where does BITS impact for stop in, with respect to the entrepreneurial journey? Uh, mm-hmm. Right now, we're there right from the beginning. So people who have just a business idea, a business thought, perhaps, um, we start there. And the question is kind of your point earlier about who else is in this ecosystem, who else is supporting. You know, our goal is to get people to a point where their businesses become scalable enough that some of the other um, uh, community organizations then will take an interest. And often that's around the point where, you know, there's enough ROI involved that people will, will open up resources more, uh, more so. So we're trying to define that right now, like what that looks like. And, you know, is it, is it a revenue number? Is it a sales unit? Is it a stat? Like, how do you define that? And, and that's, again, it's, that's a part of the Rubik's cube, I would say. Um, we think we're getting pretty close, you know, to be clear, the bootcamp program will help people to kind of more operationalize their business. We'll provide up to $5,000 in this sort of half grant, half loan format um, to, to invest in the business. Now the question becomes, now how do we just bring this to the masses? And so how are we making sure that, as I mentioned to you earlier, it's very important to us that the value that each, that, you know, a program needs, a business program needs to bring a certain uh, amount of value needs to cover a certain amount of barriers. Without it, you're just, you're going to be building a boat with a, a hole in it, so to speak, right? We want to make sure that all those, you know, we got a sturdy ship going forward. So we believe we're just starting to get there. Um, now from there, it's, it's let's take this to the rest of the GTA, the rest of Ontario, the rest of Canada. Um, and that's really what we're, we're looking for now. So to kind of on the back end of, of that uh, the question was, well, what can people do? I mean, I'll tell you what we need. Uh, we're now looking for for people, for organizations um, outside of Toronto who want to uh, bring this sort of programming to your own community or would like to see it happen in, you know, in your neck of the woods. Um, we're looking at right now Hamilton and Barrie and starting to open up just the sphere of, of where we're accepting young people from towards Southern Ontario and eventually working our way up. Um, so if you have an organization you're a part of and you'd like to support in some way, either by uh, donations, but of course by uh, mentoring with bits, by getting involved, um, the, uh, those, those are the things that, that we're looking for. And, you know, some of that is already defined, so well defined by our programs, but there's also a lot of, you know, creativity bubbling. We're really open to, to new opportunities as well. So if somebody has got something in mind, we're, we're happy to have that conversation. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm so excited for the work you're doing, uh, the expansion plans, and just the, the impact that you have on young entrepreneurs. You know, as big as Toronto is, as diverse and multicultural as it is, or even Canada is, it's still very isolated. And so having that connectivity, that program that caters specifically to this group and also uh, um, takes into account the specific challenges that they face, is is instrumental in entre- in the entrepreneurship journey, or if they decide to you know take up work in in industry, most organizations are looking for pe- uh, people with entrepreneur spirit with the entrepreneurial spirit anyway. So um, thank you so much for your work, and I'm looking forward to sharing this. And um, um, I'm sure a lot of people will be energized to to also um, contribute in in some way. Uh, so so thank you so much for your time. Diana, honestly, great conversation. I really appreciate it. Thanks for everything you've done for the organization as well. Uh, we look forward to getting you back in the classroom soon enough too, okay? For sure. Talk soon. Awesome. Take care.
Thank you.